Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at MyBestBailBonds.com. Rob Thompson, Rudy J, R and R in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's R and R in the morning minus one. I guess that R is for rest and recreate. As my co-host Rudy J takes a long scheduled day off. Well deserved. It'll be James Pleasure and I driving this boat till ten o'clock. How are you this morning, James? Oh, I'm always good. Man, you're making coffee nervous this morning. <laughs> Running around like crazy on a fiesta Monday. Everybody just chill. Good morning to you. I have to get Rudy in there. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. So how was your weekend? It was okay. Ran out to the lake, saw my mom for a little bit, took her for a drive through the hill country, uh, watched some college basketball Saturday night. Perfect weather for a nice drive. Sent, uh, it really was. I wish this weekend I had a uh, uh, an Alamo Cycleplex slingshot. That would have been the day. Yesterday would have been a day to hit the hill country. Man, we are lucky as sports fans because... This week is a cross-section of just about everything. We have Final Four today, and we're going to talk a lot about the championship game tonight. The Final Four games on Saturday. Very rarely do games live up to expectations, and I believe we can all agree that Duke, North Carolina lived up. It's funny, when you look at the grand scheme of things, the North Carolina-Duke rivalry it feels like, at least in my mind, that Duke had the better had the better of it during the Coach K era. But at the end of the day, North Carolina hands Coach K his first loss, his last loss at Cameron, and his last loss as a coach. That's a crazy stat that I heard over the weekend. It's like North Carolina is Muhammad Ali and Duke is George Foreman. Or Joe Frazier. Pick your era, pick your second. Because at the end of the day, Muhammad is the greatest of all time, and that's North Carolina. The record book shows it. And when it mattered, they put Duke in a grave. But what a fantastic game. Kansas, look out. They are very, uh, very well, I guess you can't say quietly, quietly anymore, but from the second half of the Miami game, Duke is, I mean, Kansas has been on an utter rip roaring roll. The NBA, of course, we'll talk a lot about the Spurs. This weekend was good to them. We sit today, the Spurs are comfortably in the play in and only one game out from hosting it. 
Well, maybe. Uh, the Pelicans have a game lead. The Lakers are collapsing. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar spoke on LeBron's greatness and his chase for uh, Jabbar's record. Kind of admonished LeBron a little bit, but I think it was more of a big brotherly kind of thing. He even came out later and said what I said about him doing the uh, Sam Cassell big ball dance <laughs> and some other things. It was more of a big brother talking back to a talking about his little brother going on the straight and narrow. But, you know, if you're LeBron James, you have to expect what's coming to you as your team collapsed. Even Anthony Davis sounded a retro. Well, he was a. Waxing philosophical, what could have been if he'd have just been been healthy? We'll look at the NBA very closely at 8 o'clock. And at 8, we're going to hear from Manu. He had his press conference over the weekend after the announcement that he's going into the Hall of Fame. And what great words. It kind of, I think the Manu press conference got lost on Saturday because of the Final Four and because of Fiesta and a lot of things. So we've got a lot of sound for Manu, and we're going to listen closely to it at 8 o'clock because, man, it's good to hear from the Lion. The NFL stayed busy. The uh, trade machine kept continued to kind of spin around. Devontae Parker is now a New England Patriot. You get the feeling that Miami and New England are kind of like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I mean, they sent Wes Walker to <laughs> I mean, him. It's like, I'm not sure which is the B team here. But Matt Jones gets himself a wide receiver, and Belichick continues to work. Strange news coming out of the NFL as well when we look at the league. The Washington Commanders, or as Lewis Black, who joined us last week, called him the Washington Commodes, which that's going to stick. Evidently, above and beyond the sexual harassment and issues that are inside the, well, endemic issues, it appears, inside the Washington Commander's front office. Sounds like little Danny Snyder uh, might have been skimming a little bit. Might have been pulling a little cash off the top. You know, the the NFL, as as is required by their bylaws, you have to pay the visiting team 40% of your ticket gross. And over the last couple of years, it has been very evident by the number of fans out there. There are not a lot of fans, at least not the numbers that used to go into Washington Redskins Stadium. The Washington football team and now the commanders drew a little bit less. And even below that was the cut, it appears, at least by the congressional investigation, that the commanders were holding back some some money. Now, you can look at the NFL a lot of different ways. You can look at it as a conglomeration of billionaires. You can look at it as, as a functioning entity with a bunch of... Uh, and almost team players, a cartel, if you with, if you will, a mafia. There's 30 families. You start holding back cash. I don't care what organization you're in. You're not long for that organization. And in some, you end up face down. If you're holding back cash, Snyder, for the rest of your owners, they'll do a lot of things. They'll protect you from a lot of stuff. You start holding back cash. Now you're expecting me to say that's okay. We'll look into it. I wonder who loses their franchise first. The owner down in Miami that uh, is willing to pay for losses, a little bonus check. Or 
the owner that allegedly by unnamed sources held back funds for the rest of the league. Did you watch the Grammys last night? I did. Back and forth. The South Carolina game, man. Some I'm not Gino and you and Yukon, they're not living on reputation, but boy, they got smoked last night. I mean <laughs> I don't care how how many buckets you can make. If if you can't rebound, if you can't even block out. You know, we, we'll hear from Coach K after the loss of North Carolina, and he'll look at the reasons they lost, but I don't think he ever thought about his team with a lack of want to. But UConn, my gosh. I know South Carolina's huge, but there, you, you gave up 10 offensive rebounds in the first half. That was a beatdown. And Don Staley and his team, they were dogs. They played hard. Destiny, that was a fantastic game, but it was it was a beatdown. It was a lead from front to back, so it gave me an opportunity to watch the Grammys. And while I uh, didn't really recognize most of the bands, it, it, I kind of liked it. I rather enjoyed it. I'm not a huge fan of Trevor Noah, but it was good. It was kind of nice to watch something without any controversy at all. It was the night of the women, for sure. I don't know if it's just me and the industry or not, but I noticed, did you pay attention to the uh, the voice of the Grammys going into and out of the breaks? It was a female voice. I liked that. I thought Trevor Noah did an adequate job. It wasn't good to see Nas on stage. Her put on a show, too. I got to gotta catch up with that. And uh, the musical sidekick to Stephen Colbert, this guy must be a revelation. I didn't realize he was as talented as he was. Put on the show of the night. You guys watch the Grammys? James, did you watch them? I nah. do that just to get him back on. Nah, I uh, wanted to, but at the same time, I was like, I really need to get some rest after this weekend. So, so what, you were in bed? Yeah. Like asleep at like 8 o'clock. Nine. Nine o'clock, really? Enough to watch the Spurs game and then crashed out. Man, well, look at the Spurs, those two wins. <laughs> I'm all about roadkill games. Are you? I, I really am. I think that it's time for those, for those with the opportunity to chase something. It's kind of like uh, when you watch an F1 race or any road race or any race at all. And there's a there's a guy that's obviously in first place, and you're about to you're you're holding steadily in twentieth. You're supposed to get out of the way. Supposed to let the the guys that are charging toward the finish get out of the way. Give them a chance. At least Portland understood. Get out of the way, man. We said on your left, and they pulled right, and we just zoomed right past them two straight games. Meanwhile, we watched Los Angeles just crumble. And Jokic, did he take command? Did he now? Is he now the MVP? I have so much trouble distinguishing the value between Jokic and Giannis. It is 1A, 1B. And while Embiid had a phenomenal first half of the season, I don't think we're considering him anymore. And I think he's just deluded because James Harden is there. It just doesn't feel like he's as dominant as he was, and he still is. But watching Jokic yesterday just demolish in every facet of the game. I know this is easy sports talk pickings, but 
right now, if you had, if you asked me, who would I take? Because there's a big difference between the most valuable player and the best player in most cases. But right now, if I was starting a franchise, if I was able, let's say, to be a part of that franchise that lands in Las Vegas, because there's going to be a franchise that lands there over the weekend, it was announced that there's a, a, a group that bought 25 acres about 10 minutes from the strip. They're putting in a 20,000 seat stadium. They're putting in a, a, uh, auditorium of sports, a hotel, a resort area that'll be built and ready for an NBA team. If I was, in a position to start a brand new franchise and move it to Las Vegas. And I could, in the supplemental draft, pick my guy to start the franchise. To Would it be Giannis or would it be Jokic? I'm not sure if it wouldn't be Jokic. What do you guys think? Lots of ways to talk to us today. 656-3776-656-ESPN are our Kia Basa Bacon phone numbers. You can use them at your leisure. You can tweet at me at Rob Thompson ESPN at I am Pledger. But if you want to watch our stream, if you want to listen, I want you to go to essaysportstar.com. That Facebook stuff is gone. Sorry. They're getting our way. We can't play the music we want. So go to essaysportstar.com. Morning, Jet. What's his name? Bring that back up. What's his name? It is Jet. A nephew named Jet. What if he's named for Jet Rink? Who? Jet Rink. I, oh, James, I'm I don't know take Jet your Texan card. Somebody enlighten James Pledger as to who Jet Rink is. I know the famous Jet Jackson. No, it's it's uh, if you're named Jet, there is but one name. It's like if you're named Shaq, you're named after but one guy. If you're named Jet, you are named after Jet Rink. Good morning, Steve. So someone enlighten, James, do your Googles. You know, Hunter, you're right. It's Those that true. are sounding off. Over 30, it's not that I shouldn't be watching, it's just that it's not for me. I don't know who half these people are. Well, Nas X? I, I, well, yeah, Justin I met, Bieber? I, I was around little Nas X and Bieber. Yeah, of course. But there were a couple bands that I'd never heard of. Meg the Stallion? Like I said, I know all of those. Dua Lipa? I'm hip. I didn't see Dua Lipa. Was she there? I don't know. When what you the... said I, I'm hip, that uh, thinking about Austin Powers, Doctor Evil. I'm hip. And does the Macarena? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the over thirty-five. It's just a, a lot of it's lost on me. But I appreciate. I thought last night was good. I saw the highlights. It looked cool. I mean, it wasn't. There was no Michael Jackson moment or anything like that. I thought the country guys that performed. Chris Stapleton, man. Chris Stapleton rolled out a Mississippi Delta Blues song that was extraordinary. They, he knew his audience, man. He knew exactly who he was playing to. They didn't come with any of that country pop. He came with down and dirty, lead belly blues, and it was phenomenal. It, that was good. Who was the band that closed? There was a band that closed it out. A country band. I, I, I'd never heard of them. Something about Dead Man's Curve. I saw the Stapleton performance of Cold, and that was incredible. Yeah, it, yeah, it was stellar. It was. It was. It wasn't the best performance of the night. Nas was spectacular. Just see that. That's old school for me. 
I don't even know where to begin on headlines because think about what we have coming up this week. Tonight we have our national championship game. We have the Masters getting going. The par three contest will be on Wednesday. Tiger Woods is a game time decision, and the dude might have been out of the game, but the game is still in Tiger. He knows how to stir up a headline or two. Game time decision. I love this. Then we get uh, baseball. Thursday, we got baseball. This here. And then Masters all weekend long. Are you kidding me? As the fiesta happens? Title game tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an extraordinary week, and we're not even really beginning. So let's look back before we look forward. It is time for the 411 in the 210. Here's the 411 in the 210. Headline 2. Don't forget, also, speaking of the national title game, join Jason and Joe out at the Root Pub tonight. Oh, that's right. Be live, catch the game with them. You know, the great thing about uh, Root Pub is you don't even have to buy tickets. Really? No, you don't have to buy tickets. You can just go there, and they have these uh, lovely ladies they call waitresses that, that they will bring to and from food for you. You mean you and all got to get up and go to the concession stand? And, and you don't have to stand in line. And they have, like, real bathrooms. It's not portalettes, and there's not a bunch of, you know, you know those th- that element. Well, that's incredible. You know what I'm talking about? So if you're if you're tired of that already, that's why I'd go to the roof. Well, starting off headline two, the Houston Texans, they signed free agent running back Marlon Mack over the weekend. The 26-year-old spent his first five seasons with the Indianapolis Colts and rushed for 1,000 yards in 2019, but tore his Achilles tendon in the season opener of the 2020 year, losing his role to Jonathan Taylor, who exploded over the next two years. Mack joins a backfield that was led last season by Rex Burkhead's 427 <laughs> yards. So... We can say even with one knee, it's an upgrade. Is that is that where we are right now? I low key love this sign. Yeah, Marlon Max a baller. Remember when? Remember the last time the Colts were kind of scary? Mm hmm. What Marlon? It wasn't Taylor. It was Mac that was behind that line. It was Mac with uh, uh, Andrew Luck. So it seems very much Texan. Seems like a very much Texan signing. So yeah, let's hope it works. It Move on. Very. High, low risk, well, high reward. And the thing about a guy like Mac is, you know, he's a consummate pro, and in a locker room full of kids, you need consummate pros. So, seems like a good fit. Headline one: Texas A&M continues to dominate the 2022 recruiting class as it keeps getting better, adding five-star defensive end Levis Overton, who chose the Aggies over Georgia, Oregon, and others. The move gives Coach Jimbo Fisher five different five-star recruits this cycle, further strengthening the Aggies' hold on the top recruiting class in the country and possibly in the history Not of the star. Not possible. I mean, by, by the numbers. By the metrics. The five stars that he has rolled in. And as an Aggie, gig them. Well done. <laughs> I put this one in here for you. But I am very, I, at some point, and we will never know, I don't think, what the payroll is. What the NIL dollar amount for all of this is. Now, I can see, you know, it, it is a momentum thing. You know, if one five-star goes, two five-star goes, suddenly they talk to the third. And, but to fill the defensive lineman room, yeah, yeah. the way that they did, you know, the way that they must have sold that is, you're going to play half the downs, but think about what those guards and tackles are going to look like in the fourth quarter after we have big, beaten the snot out of them for three straight quarters. You guys are going to be a pack of hyenas 
I mean, we're just going to unleash you guys in the second half. I, I, I There has never been anything like this is in there, college football before. Is this there is a fear? five worthy. Is there a fear of what happened with Kyle Allen and Dude, Kyler yeah. Murray and having too many five stars? Has, has Saban ever had that issue? I mean... It's an RPP, but I guess it's worthy of concern. But this is a different coaching staff. Mm -hmm. It's a different position. I mean, and they all signed knowing full well that there are three other five stars that have signed here as well. True story. Just goes to show that if you put guys in the league, you get them paid, you get the five stars. Now you can get them paid when they show up. The biggest mistake, the biggest mistake that Texas ever made was announcing the amount of each NIL. Of saying if you're an offensive lineman, you get 50K. And not allowing their guys to go negotiate their own. Because you get the feeling that that fifth five-star, that came with a few dollars. I mean, it's worked out. They've been recruiting well on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, Jimbo's taken uh, a little bit of abuse because of the obvious spending spree. But that's the game. As he said, in as this began, after he started rolling these five-stars in, well... There's a lot of things that uh, we couldn't talk about that now we can that we're pretty good at. Hence the greatest recruiting class in the history of the five-star rating system. By every metric, by every measure, by every service. <laughs> Feel that pressure? Feel that steam starting to build up? <laughs> we'll see you in September. Moving along. Headline Zero. And finally, you alluded to this earlier, Tiger Woods says he will be a game-time decision in a tweet for the 86 Masters, which is scheduled to begin on Thursday. Woods gave the tweet yesterday, writing that he would be returning to Augusta National Golf Club to continue his preparation and practice. I mean, so many th questions here. There is. If he last competed... In the Masters back in 2020 in the final round, played in November because of the coronavirus pandemic. And it's been more than a year since he actually played in a competitive yeah. round of golf due to the car accident that almost resulted in him having his leg amputated. A couple things out of there. You notice he's wearing foot joys, not Nike. He is a master at uh, creating news and i think this is worthy i also believe that the, the golf kind of needs a good story jj spawn yesterday yep good story punched his ticket with good, a yeah. 13 under so he will make his first appearance in a masters good this story week. there but i mean without phil there the doug the, you know the, the excitement of having a masters at the right time certainly feels good but the uh, added spice of Tiger being there, I I hope he plays. And if he does, what does that mean? Is he gonna? Is he back? Does he just play the Masters this year? Do we expect to see him at the PGA? Is he? A lot of questions there. I don't think we'll see him until the summer if he plays in the Masters. You would think because this seems a little rushed to me, but it's not like it's been a very public rehab. We really don't know. I know that. The swing looks good. The highlights I've seen look good. All week long. Par 3 uh, is on Wednesday. little note here. Anybody who's won the par 3 on Wednesday in the modern era has not won the tournament. <laughs> Moving along.
That's the 411 and a 210. Coming back, we have our championship game in place. The Blue Bloods continue. It was a foursome. Now we get the two. It is North Carolina, Kansas. Roy Williams. I wonder how he feels today. We'll look back at what happened over the weekend here from Coach K. Look forward to what should be an extraordinary football game. We have a... It was a WrestleMania over the weekend. Stone Cold's back, baby. (laughs) Ruben Reigns, it appears, ruled the day. Stone Cold comes and beats up an old man. We had elder abuse on national TV. Is The Miz, who we got to see down at Super Bowl Radio Row, is he now the favorite wrestler of R&R in the morning since he he beat up Jake Paul or Logan Paul or one of the Pauls, whichever Paul was there? Yeah, that was impressive. I, I, I just read about it. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, the Wizards, the Miz, I'm sorry, is a friend of the show. He's a pretty cool dude. Uh, Pat McAfee, of course, is still Pat McAfee, and I appreciate the fact that Pat McAfee shows up for work and exactly what he always wears. There is a uniform. But he is, uh, he's Pat McAfee. That was a great interest. (laughs) (laughs) He's Pat McAfee. (laughs) And God bless Stone Cold Steve Austin. Texas Rattlesnake, baby. Come walking in there, knee braces, had those offensive linemen knee braces on. Oh, he's had those his whole career. I know. <laughs> Just strolling in. And what, do you, what do you figure? Well, how old is he? He's got to be in his 50s, right? I would I would think. P- impressive, man. I had to rip open a beer can just to chug it back just to see if I could. But the way you beat up an old man like that, that's just not right. <laughs> Surprise. You know, it's kind of like... You can watch a man get slapped. Nobody calls the cops. You see a, see a guy. He's 57, by the way. Just beating up a 72-year-old man. Nobody even cares. <laughs> no, we just stand there and applaud the entire time. The 72-year-old man left laid out in the middle of, middle of everything. That's Texas <laughs> right there. Hey, coming back, we'll look at the Final Four. Here from Coach K. Look forward to what looks like a spectacular game at uh, 745. We'll look at the Spurs. They are comfortably in the playoff. What to expect over the week. And Manu is a Hall of Fame inductee. We'll hear from Manu and Coach Pop on what will be one of the uh, the more emotional times in my life. Just hearing Manu talk about getting into the league and the very beginnings of, of all this. And as, as little as we knew about Manu, he knew just about the same amount about San Antonio. Great sound from Monty. You're going to definitely want to be here at 8 o'clock. But coming back, Final Four. Thanks for being with us. This is R&R in the morning. Rudy J is uh, taking a well-deserved fiesta day off. I'm Rob. That's James. We'll be back in just a minute. You're on R&R in the morning here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. It's like breakfast tacos with the hot stuff. Rob Thompson, Rudy J. R&R in the morning on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. They were a hundred to one shot. Hard to believe that's North Carolina as they head toward the championship game. We had a fine weekend of basketball. The Final Four held in Nolens on Saturday. Villanova was valiant, but Kansas is a machine. They go down eighty-one sixty-five. Does Villanova? 
Bill Self has a team that's on a mission, not only for this year, but for the team that probably would have won the championship two years ago. They look good. McCormick down low has been a revelation. Ochai Baji is a first-round draft pick. Will be available to the Spurs, you assume, in those three picks the Spurs have coming in that range between two and three. Remy Martin was appropriate at the time. And they were, you know, Villanova just shorthanded. Without Justin, without a guard, they just didn't have enough buckets. But they were gritty in defeat. They were certainly Villanova in every every stretch. I don't think anybody turned the channel. Everybody, I think, watched that thinking it's possible. Though North Carolina... And Caleb Love came of age. Caleb Love always been a gamer, so I've been on Team USA. He's one of those streaky types who just was a little bit tougher than the Dukies. And while this was Coach K's last game, and it was Hubert Davis's first Final Four as a head coach, Hubert Davis won the chess match. I thought Duke had kind of figured it out in the second half they went small, put Paolo down at, at five, pulled the bigs out, kept Baycott ineffective on offense, though, man, what a beast he was on defense and rebounds. But I thought they found the key, and then they bring in Mark Williams, who I also like as a potential spur late last pick. And it stagnated the offense, James. I didn't like what they did, and on top of that, we saw the uh, the birth of the streak that is well, the streaky player that is Caleb Love. My gosh, what a fantastic second half from Caleb. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Coach K. Now, there's obviously two strata to the story. There's one, the loss, and it's a Final Four loss, and that hurts. But then again, it's the it's a loss in your last game, and then it's a loss to your dreaded rival, your arch enemy. First, let's hear from Coach K on the loss in the game and why he thought it didn't go the way that they planned. I don't think it ever turned in anyone's favor. I think it was a one-possession game, and Love hit, hit some big shots. And when we got the one-point lead with just about a minute to go, you know, that's where you need to get a stop. And uh, we fouled, and we did foul. And um, you can't give free shots. And they have to shoot the ball. And... Um, yeah, our kids played their hearts out, and so did their kids. And uh, it was a disjointed game with the fouls. And I'm not blaming anyone. Like, Mark fouled. But, uh, yeah, he really didn't have the impact on the game, and he's one of the main reasons, you know, we're here. So I know he's beating himself up, uh, missing those two free throws. And uh, and not having a, not being able to play, but he fouled. You know, I'm not, I'm not complaining about, about that. I, I, the, the refing was obviously intent on being overly fair. If that, I, I think every ref, morning roof, I think that everybody watching the game was thinking, you know, God and the NCAA would certainly like to see Coach K play it on Monday night. Mm-hmm. And I think the refs knew that if it was to go any way, even slightly toward Duke, everybody would look. If there was any questionable call, that it would just go in Duke's direction. So I think that the refs, and it wasn't overt. I don't think it was poorly refed. 
it just felt like if there was a question, it went toward North Carolina. That's that's all I'm going to say. It wasn't enough to ref him out of the game. The better team won on that night. The, the shot makers won the game. Caleb hit the shot. But in the end of the day, at the end, when it was over, it was over for Kay as well. And you think about the situation. Would you think back when the buzzer went zero, you could look over and you saw Paolo Blanchero take his jersey and cover his face. Think of the weight that those kids were carrying this year. You were you were you were recruited by to be by Coach K to be his last class. When he when you guys signed on the letter, you told him, look, man, we're gonna go out in style. This is us. And forever, we will be forever's team, at least those that will remember the last season for Coach K. They're gonna remember this team. And the weight that they had to carry was immense. And it crushed them early. And they fought through it, but I do think they felt the weight of that in the last three minutes. That if we don't do this, we'll go on. Four of those guys are going to be in the league. We'll go on and have a career, but everybody's going to remember this because North Carolina will have closed down the Duke program through and through. Let's hear Coach K on the end. It's not about me, right? You know, especially right now. You know, my. Yeah, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court. And, and um, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I, I've said my entire career, or when I knew what the hell I was doing, that uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. And it's a beautiful sight. It's not the sight that I would want. I'd want the other. But it's a side that I really respect and makes me understand just how good this group was. So that's, and I'm, and that's what I'm concerned. I don't want any of these guys to leave and say, I, I should have made that one free throw. I should have made that one. Uh, they, yeah, we win and we lose together, and we've won 32 games and two championships together, and that's what I want them to realize. Coach K, post game after losing to North Carolina, I kind of like Kansas tonight. Oh yeah, but I don't want to sell North Carolina short. That backcourt loves on. What's that? If love is on. Yeah, he is he's a killer. There's something there. You can tell that there's a there's a star there. And Brady Manic is just Brady was taken out of that game. Brady Manic is a heck of a basketball player and he's part of that iron five mm-hmm. that played, you know, thirty eight minutes. But uh, Duke came into that game with one intent. Let's let's keep Brady Manic out. Remember the last time we saw Brady go off against Baylor? Was it 25 points yeah. first half? I mean, just ridiculous. And Maddox's fully capable of that. And he had a couple of threes that made you think, oh, no, if he gets going, we're in trouble. But they did a pretty good job of, of negating that. At the end of the day, 
the the resurgence of Duke as they kind of, you know, they were top 10 team all season long, but they had some issues and it was because they didn't have good point guard play. And once Roach, the, the, the kid who should have quite frankly been playing in the Geico high school championship games this year, once he came on and matured a bit, Duke picked it up, but the backcourt won the game, won the day for Duke. RJ Davis, spectacular. That guy, I, mm-hmm. I always thought he was good because, but he always felt to me like the typical North Carolina point guard. Very good, going to make a lot of money in Europe, maybe you know, bang around the N- NBA as a, as a backup, but just the typical North Carolina type, no, he's more than that. That guy's got legitimate skill and might be a late first-round, second-round draft pick, and I didn't see that in him. Do you think that Hubert Davis outcoached Coach K yeah. down the stretch well, in that game? I think, well, I, I don't think Coach K adjusted well enough. I think he had a plan. I, yeah, he played well, but uh, I thought that... Coach K had the answer. I thought he had figured out once Mark Williams picked up that second foul and they had to go small that it began to work, that they were able to move the ball around a little bit. But I think there was a constant concern that while they'd held Baycott at bay offensively, that he was just dominating the boards. 20 rebounds. I mean, he's a double-double beast. And that was starting to hurt Duke. So I felt like Coach K had to make a decision. Should I go back and try to control the glass? which we were, they were getting beat at at the time, get Mark Williams back in there, who had been so effective off defensively and slowing Baycott down, or getting the off- offense revved up. I think he chose the, the defensive side of that, which most great coaches will. And you can't plan for Caleb Love just to go to 11. He just turned it on in the last eight minutes. Now, it was it was a volume night. It was a Kobe Bryant kind of night. He took a lot of shots to get where he was, mm. but he got hot at the right time, and that was enough. And when what one of the issues that Coach K had to run into was, yes, Caleb Love was taking a lot of shots. He was missing. But the second chance points that Baycott were giving them was enough to keep him in there. So I will go out coached because you don't expect Caleb Love to hit that shot. He's a lot of things, but a dead-eye, end-of-game, three-point game-closer was not one of the th- things I thought he was ready for. So I, looking at what he did, and I'm not going to go that far. I will say this, that there is this long blue line at North Carolina, and the transition from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis is complete. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my goodness. who I don't know who was coaching on the sidelines. That could have been Dean Smith. That could have been Roy Williams. It was Hubert Davis. The, the continuum stays the same. You look at what John Shire is now looking at. Now, he has the benefit of the number one recruiting class in college basketball mm-hmm. coming in. And if you're watching any kind of basketball this weekend on ESPN, the high school national championship that went on last week, you saw four of the Duke kids that are headed that direction, and it is impressive. So Shire has every tool in the belt, but the standard has been set eight miles from campus by Hubert Davis, who took the baton and turned the corner and is headed toward a world record. Now Shire's waiting on that baton. He's going to have to catch Hubert, and the battle continues between the light blue and the Duke blue. <laughs> and I, I love it for Roy Williams. He can't lose tonight. No, he's, you know, you <laughs> he's wonder in the where best situation. Is. He's a he at the end of the day is a North Carolina guy. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that he will. 
I think he will be political. I think he will be kind. I think he'll be nice to Kansas. I, I don't think he'll say anything negative. But I think his when he puts on his chonis to, this morning, they're, they are Carolina blue. Oh, absolutely. But it, I don't think it. if they lose that he's upset by it either. Oh, no. He looks fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, it's got to be. You don't realize that you're a presence sometimes. But you're Roy Williams, and he's sitting in the stands. The hand-picked successor, Hubert Davis's boss, is sitting eight rows behind him. Now, you don't really think about it, I don't think, while you're coaching, but I'm pretty sure you walk in and you look up at Roy and think, man, I got a lot to live up to. It doesn't make it that much easier for Hubert. I wonder how much we will see Coach K at Cameron. Because Roy kind of stayed away a little bit, but as the season wound down, I was seeing Roy there more and more. And it's it's good to be the presence, the mm-hmm. to be that Overwatch kind of thing. But it's bad when you're trying to transition. I, I don't think we'll see Coach K as as much next year with Shire. I don't think so either. But it, to Davis's credit, man, he's taken it and run. I mean, to get to a national title game in your first year, coming out of that shadow with that shadow looming a couple of rows behind you on the bench, <laughs> the the run itself is pretty extraordinary that North Carolina put together. We're going to continue looking at the Final Four. In fact, at 830, we'll look at how both teams got to the championship. One will go down, if it goes, as facing the toughest run since 2002. The Blue Bloods reign supreme. Coming back, the Valero Texas Open is complete. What a wonderful 100th anniversary. Weather spectacular. We had a a scrambler, a duffer, get it in. Get himself a ticket to the Masters. JJ, he beat him with a shovel and a a rake. You know, last year the kid didn't even make the cut here at the Texas Open. What did he shoot yesterday, a 69? 69 yesterday, final round, uh, final score of 13 under. Matt Kuchar, I know he had a lot of fans out there yesterday. But it was a good story, a good a good look for San Antonio. I thought we looked spectacular. If you went, give us a call when we get back. Also, the the show, the Rucker Aldean show. You see any pictures from that? Looked like a uh, fine, fine attended, well attended. There was a, a lot of folks there. I, I joked on Monday the sheer number of porta potties. That they had lined up. I hope they had enough. (laughs) There there were a thousand. I'm telling you, 100 yards side by side of porta potties. I've never seen that many lined up the way that it was. And I thought, well, where are all the other ones? How do we have enough for for Oyster Bank? (laughs) They're doing without. (laughs) I mean, Calabra (laughs) must smell awful today. (laughs) But the crowds, the pictures that I saw... It looked like a festival. It looked like a show. If you went, I want to hear. 656-3776-656-ESPN. Rocky Casillas joins us on our SA Sports Star feed. Saying Eric Church sucks. Well, has he made nice? Are we going to get over it now that he's offering us a free show and coming I mean, back on the apology tour? Is it is it okay? Well, we he's, knew this was going to happen. He's offering a free show, but to the 17,000 that were, you know, had bought tickets yeah. to his show here, but the venue Whitewater only holds about 6,000. 
So less than half. Well, I mean, I, yes, but we knew this was coming. I don't think he could have. Although the venue is spectacular. Yeah, it's going to be great. But we knew he was going to, you know, offer something. And we guilted him when we did that. Bud Light knew what they were doing when they offered all the free beer, your first beer down on the river over the, over on Saturday morning. We knew that we were going to guilt church into it, but is that enough? Are we going to let it go? Or will he live in the annals of uh, Ozzy Osbourne? Of Ozzy. <laughs> he didn't is quite he our on new Ozzy? Well, he could have been, but, you know, you, you just kind of felt like a country guy is going to reschedule, that he has to come through here again. I mean, to be fair, he did get to watch his team beat Duke and go yeah, into the title. I mean, game. it was a weekend well spent. We'll be back looking at the Valero Texas Open. If you went, give us a call. We want to hear from you. 656-3776-656 ESPN. This is San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is Joe Reinagle on your home for everything that matters in sports. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. Welcome back to R in the morning. <laughs> R, mateys. Rudy J in the hole today. We won't make any it's only Monday of Fiesta jokes. Why not? We made them at Michael Jimenez's expense. But Rudy J not here today. And it's an awkward thing as a co-host. Man, this is my firm belief, and James will back me up on this. You need a day off, go. Life is full of things that don't include work. Go. Especially with the delicate personas that most radio hosts have. You need to, you need everybody comfortable. But Rudy calls yesterday, literally as I'm sitting watching the South Carolina game, flipping back and forth with the Grammys, got my phone up, playing some Candy Crush, you know, diving into Facebook every now and then, you know, just, <laughs> just doing your typical nightly multitasking and i come upon a picture of my good friend and co-host rudy J out looking good too holding a cigar all having day a break, dancing dance i'm thinking man rudy's having a day he's had a good he had family come in dance get a text as i'm looking dancing <laughs> holding a cigar i'm gonna need a day off man <laughs> And I remember because those snaps started, or Instagram stories started early in the day and continued through into the night. <laughs> At least it was no, there was no pretense. Like, I can tell that I'm going to be no good to anyone tomorrow <laughs> right now. There was no, I got to take care of some family stuff. There was no, now he isn't sick. He didn't eat, well, he might eat too many oysters. Who knows? But. At least it wasn't a late night, like, what have I done? I, there's no way. It was mid-party. Nah. <laughs> nah, fam. Nah, I can tell right now. This is reaching a crescendo that ain't going to end early. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take the day. All I can tell you is payback's a bitch. Hey, Ryan Garcia is coming <laughs> up on Saturday. This is huge, San Antonio. One of one of boxing's young Turks, one of those dudes that's headed places coming to San Antonio. Ryan Garcia is coming to fight at the Alamo Dome against Emmanuel Tego on Saturday night. I know this is a busy time in our city, but when we get opportunities like this, go get your tickets. Go to right now, go to Ticketmaster.com. 
to get yourself some. We're going to give away a couple of tickets in a bit. I'm not going to give them away now. I just want to tell everybody that Ryan Garcia, the fight is here on Saturday night. Going to be down the Alamo. It's going to be spectacular at the Alamo Dome. Saturday, be there. This is a Golden Boy production. We'll have Ryan on this week. We're going to have Mike Jimenez down in the last training section on Thursday as Ryan gets ready. Uh, we'll have him on air. Oscar de la Hora, the Golden Boy, will join us as well. They're coming to San Antonio. Do I have to pay a fine when I do that? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't say that other thing. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, I didn't say the... I, I the, did not say that, that, that let's... Thing. Yeah. There was no rumbling being told. But you can't say, Oscar de la Hoya, and not have to pay. Hey, we'll be right back. <laughs> I got discombobulated here. Let me find my rundown. Manu? Oh, yeah, that guy. You know, lost in the mix over the weekend as we prepared for the Final Four, as we were eating our first of mini chicken on the sticks at Oyster Bake or having some of that fan, the cheesecake at the Taste of New Orleans. I know there's lots of other great stuff, but they're the, the, the cheesecake. If you were doing all of that, you might have missed the Lion of the Spurs, Manu Ginobili's, well, press conference, as it was announced on Friday that our Manu was going into the Hall of Fame. We're going to hear from him coming up at 8 o'clock. We're excited about that. Also, Final Four Talk, as we look close at the game, you're going to catch right here on San Antonio Sports Star. The NFL continues to offer goodness. Devontae Parker is a Raider. And Lamar Jackson, a Raider, I'm sorry, a Patriot. Devontae moved from Miami, and Lamar Jackson is looking for a wide receiver. Hang around with us. So much to do. You're on r in the morning here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Uh. Rob Thompson, Rudy J, uh. R&R in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's R&R in the morning, a Monday edition. Congratulations, you made it. If you're fresh off the drop-off line, if you're driving through the taco line, we're over on Eisenhower. You can just swing on by. Remember to frequent your local restaurant at least once this week. Restaurant business takes a, takes a little dip during Fiesta. All of our food service types take care of them. We're going to talk some Spurs. This hour, we'll look back at the Final Four at 8.30. Blue Bloods Rose. This will be the third time that a pair of teams have met multiple times for a national title. In each of the previous instances, the team that won the first title game won the second. In the first meeting between Kansas and North Carolina back in 1957. Yeah, that was a good one. We all remember that one. The Tar Heels that won three to nothing. No, it was 54-53 in three overtimes. Three overtimes, it was 54-53. Still the only title game ever to go to multiple overtimes. Wilt went nuts that game. So, kind of feel like Kansas has the inside track, at least by history. We'll look at that at 8.30. But first, it was announced on Friday, and it, it didn't overshadow the fact that uh, the Spurs are on a nice little win streak and have played themselves into uh, play-in contention. That Manu was going into the Hall of Fame. Manu's kind of been more a part of the Spurs this season as Tim Duncan has stepped away from his brief sojourn into coaching. Manu has stepped into the breach at least a little bit. He's working closely with the NBA on investment side of things, some had some capital fund stuff work, but he's been working with the Spurs, so he's been around the building. That lionness obviously rubbing off. Well, we got to hear from him. Let's hear the second cut. Manu too, first of all, as he sat in front of the press on Saturday. So many 
things about, about that. I mean, I got drafted. I had no idea where San Antonio was. I had to go and search where is San Antonio. Who, who you know, I knew about the team. I knew about Duncan Robinson that they won the championship. It was recent. No idea anything about it. And uh, then I got here, and of course I was pumped. I was fired up for the opportunity to play in the NBA. It's a big deal. Uh, and uh, with all the uncertainties, you know, I was coming from uh, having having improved a lot in the last couple of years in Europe, but you know, the NBA is different, and I didn't know how I was going to pair up with Tony and, and Tim, play with David Robinson, being coached by Bob. So yeah, I was full of uncertainties, and um, I wanted to do good. I wanted to help. I wanted to grow, but... Um, I wasn't uh, number one first pick, right? I was 57. So I knew that the odds of me staying for long here were not with me because it doesn't usually happen. So uh, it turned out to be an incredible story and um, you know, enjoyed 16 wonderful years. Manu Ginobili on Saturday in his uh, first press availability after being announced as a Hall of Fame inductee. Think back when, uh, for those of us that do recall that draft, he was an afterthought. I mean, we, it was pop. Pop wasn't pop back then either. Back then, pop was a, you know, a couple titles. He's, he was on his way, certainly, but he was not revered as the greatest of all time. And he had gone through some dudes. We'd gone through some guys. We had Tim and David, but at 57, and it was, you didn't even, we couldn't even say his name, much less find any video. There wasn't anything, to, and it, I find it hilarious that he felt the same way about San Antonio. Like, yeah, I, I vaguely know about David and Tim. Who doesn't? But where the hell is San Antonio? He was doing the same thing we were doing for him. Now, the introduction was something, and, and Manu is very, I think he, I, I don't think we we will ever know the behind-the-scenes with Pop and Manu. The, I'm not sure if the current Pop would have been as patient as the other Pop, as the OG Pop. Maybe he would be. But if Lonnie had turned the ball over as much as Manu did, would we have seen less? I don't know. Lonnie is not Manu, but you just wonder about that that first meeting of Manu in the Euro game and Pop coaching a World Championship NBA game and what that was like. In fact, Manu even talked about, I mean, Pop even talked about Manu showing up with this Euro step. And That's that, his. He gets credit for that. Uh, and it's become, you know, a, a staple, a skill that everybody gets taught now. Uh, or just learns on their own because they know they got to do it because it's so effective. So, yeah, that was that was his signature for sure. Did it look like a travel to you at first? I didn't know what the hell it was, <laughs> but it, but it didn't look right. <laughs> Quite frankly, now it but looks perfect. It, it it obeys the rules, you know. It's just a little bit different. He put a little spin on it, and uh, it's pretty neat. You always talk, at least in my definition of a, a Hall of Famer. Can the story of the game be written without him? And if it can't, then he's in the Hall of Fame. If it can, if we can move by without a great effect, he shouldn't be there.
And that's just one of the reasons Manu should be in. Damn it, he brought the move. He changed the game. We didn't know what that was. And Pop can laugh, but I think everybody, the first time we saw somebody take a sideways move on that second step, it just didn't look right. And it's Manu. But at the end of the day, he's a Hall of Famer. And you'd always wonder what it's like. You, you know, if you, you start hearing rumors and you know you're there, but what's it going to be like when you get the call? Well, Manu talked about finally getting into the Hall of Fame as well. There was some, you know, conversations along the way and people telling me that it, it was going to happen. Nothing official, but so I was building up confidence in that it was going to happen. So I wasn't that surprised, but I got a call um, on Monday um, from the Hall of Fame saying that I was officially uh, voted in. And yeah, before it was all rumors and the moment that you get the confirmation is... It's, it's quite special. Uh, as I said a few minutes ago, it's something you never expect. And you start playing ball because you love it, because it's fun, because you you are there with your friends. In my case, because, you know, it was almost a family mandate. We were all by the club and we all played and we all loved it and we talked about it and we uh, and we just carry on. And you that, that passion, that drive starts to build up. And one thing brings to the other one. And, and now, you know, when I thought there were not going to be more surprises after my career was done, you know, you get a, a recognition like this, which, you know, make you think, go back a little bit on time and and relive your story. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Manu Ginobili on Saturday reflecting. Just a kid from Bahia Blanca. There was a that brief moment of him talking about, you know, you just grow up doing it. It's the same story. Frank, you're right. If you're looking for streaming, I want you to go to sasportstar.com. Stream from us there. So you can hear clearly and crisply all of the headlines that we've put together. Don't forget, I'm going to give away some, R &R, uh, some uh, Ryan Garcia tickets in just a bit. Artie, we know you're there. Well, let's talk some Ryan Garcia in a bit. But first, I want to get your headlines. I'm going to get everybody caught up. It's time for the 411 and the 210. Here's the 411 in the 210. Headline 2. Veteran running back Frank Gore says he plans to sign a one-day contract with the San Francisco 49ers and retire with the team that drafted him. Gore, originally a third-round pickup, the Niners out of Miami in 2005, played the first 10 seasons of his career in San Fran before stops in Indy, Miami, and Buffalo, and of course with the Jets. He did not play last season. He had nine 1,000-yard uh, seasons. Played more games than any other player in NFL history with 241. Had 16,000 rushing yards, which ranks him third all-time behind Emmett Smith and Walter Payton. And is fourth in all-time uh, yards from scrimmage with almost 20,000 and fifth in all-purpose yards. He also finishes a career with 100 total touchdowns. Hall of Fame numbers. I would think so. Third in, in all-time rushing. Only Emmett and Walter Payton are ahead of you. That is uh, some prestigious names that you're. How many years did he play? Came out in two thousand and five. It's just ridiculous. And you know what? If I'm San Francisco, 
I'd make sure you give them an equipment bag. Just give them some stuff. They haven't had the best luck with their running backs over the last several years. And one thing we know for sure is Frank Gore ain't going to get hurt. <laughs> Just like what a, that one day thing might turn into it. Does the NFL have 10 days? Well, he did say that he hopes to work in the Niners front office uh-huh. coming up. There we go. Loves evaluating talent, loves uh, football. And they know that I know football players and what it takes to be a football player in the NFL. Great career, Frank Gore. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Probably first ballot. I doubt it, but it should be. That's your third all-time. That's enough. Moving on. Headline one. New England Patriots make a move over the weekend, acquiring wide receiver Devontae Parker in a trade with division rival Miami. The Patriots receive Parker and a 2022 fifth-round pick in exchange for a 2023 third-round pick. So... Not only do the Patriots get Parker, they get Parker and a pick and don't give up a draft pick until next year. You know, it's an interesting deal. It's certainly weighted toward New England. But what I took away from that was, oh, they must love them some Cedric Wilson. Wilson, Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Jacecki. They got a lot of mouths to feed. They do. And they needed to cut some salary. But Cedric Wilson, they're expecting some performance from him. You have to play up to that contract. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. Parker's a former first-round pick. Yeah. Recorded 1,200-yard season. Now he's had injuries the last couple of years, which is kind of why he's been on the outs. But What's the coach again, coach's name again, the new rock star? Josh McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Mike, McDaniel. Mike Gusecki is going to be a superstar. Just go ahead and circle his name, fantasy football types. Look at what he did with Kittle in San Francisco. They're, Cedric Wilson is good. I like Cedric. I wish he was still a Dallas Cowboy. He's not Devontae, though. <laughs> Which tells me, for for production's sake, that they're clearing space for Gusecki. That's my guess, anyway. And clear salary cap as well. And then New England again. They won the card game. That makes them even matter. Moving on. Headline Zero. San Diego Padres acquired left-handed pitcher Sean Manea in a trade with the Oakland Athletics, who continue to ship out massive talent for their rebuild. <laughs> in their prep to move I to, mean, a new, they to a new city. So many players <laughs> this offseason. Uh, Oakland's getting right-hander Adrian Martinez, infielder Rubio. Angeles. Easy for you to say. Exactly. And right-hander Aaron Holiday in the deal. Manea, who's 30 years old, went 11-10 with a 3.91 ERA and 32 starts last year for the A's. He was their number one. He joins an opening day roster that has you, Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, and Nick Martinez. Oh, and by the way, Chris Paddock and Mike Clevenger are both on that pitching staff as well, but recovering from injuries. Best laid plans, but it looks pretty solid, right? Man, that that team better do something this year. Best laid plans. This is, it feels kind of Lakerish, though, right? Feels if everybody stays healthy, and boy, that's a that's a big if. I mean, they're in a division with the Giants and the Dodgers. I love the arms race. They're precarious, though. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> That's the 411 and a 210.
We're going to look at the final four coming up. Matchups. Is the game going to be decided in the post? It was last night in South Carolina. Offensive rebounds, the name of the game for South Carolina as they finally get that title. And Gino Ariema continues his search to regain another title. It's been a bit for him, but the front line dominated. Is that going to be the case tonight? Baycott. Is he going to be able to bring it? Okay, Ombaji, we're going to look very closely at the Final Four. At uh, 8.45, NFL talk, we'll look a little bit closer. But before we go, Ryan Garcia is coming to San Antonio on Saturday night. A fight that is worthy of our attention. It's going to be down at the Dome. Belts on hand. We want you to go. You have any thoughts on the fight? 656-3776 at 656-ESPN to you and me. Let's go to Artie. Welcome on the phone. Welcome on board, Artie. You're on the blitz. On, oh, man, where am I? R&R in the morning. Oh, Augie, I'm sorry. Augie, welcome hey, on, man. Good, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, uh, Ryan's in for a treat. Alamo uh, City, uh, Military Town, USA. Lots of love, culture. Uh, Ryan's from uh, a town in the, uh, I guess he caught the upper desert, high mm-hmm. desert, uh, called Victorville. That's right. Down there, my buds call it Victorville. It's, I guess it's kind of like when you leave the hood, uh, East L.A., uh, Watch Compton, and you, you gain the way. But uh, his toolage is uh, his uncle, I believe it was his early trainer, and then uh, he, I guess, catapult and uh, added to his game. But uh, he has an opportunity to showcase his talent, his skill set, and uh, increase his fan base. And me being a kid out of East L.A. like Richie Valens, you know, he's made it. You know, he just needs to polish up on the other stuff. And uh, and Oscar always, you know, he knows he sees talent. And I spoke to him a while back when he was promoting another fight here. Uh, we're out of the same school system there in East L.A., uh, He's a Bulldog Garfield product. I'm a Wilson High L.A. Al Serino Yes, product. sir. And uh, we're champions, and we played for some champions. And back in the day, uh, Vic Kusha played against Andy Reid in high school and Jeff Fisher. So he got kind of educated a little bit by us. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Yeah, Ryan's going to be in San Antonio Saturday. 23-21-0, 18 KOs. Yes, sir. That's one of the best. Friend of the show. We've talked with Ryan several times. He'll be on this week. Mike's going to go down and watch him train up on Thursday. The fight on Saturday night. Go to Ticketmaster.com as Ryan Garcia comes to San Antonio to go. Going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it. Hey, coming back, we got some basketball talk and all things uh, SA Sports right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. A double shot of energy in the AM. Rob Thompson, Rudy J. R and R in the morning on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN twelve fifty and one zero three three FM. R and R in the morning, a Monday edition. I'm Rob Thompson, Rudy J. Got a little Fiesta fever. Taking the day. James Pledge driving us till 10 o'clock. Don't forget today, the Blitz is going to be live out at the Rue Pub. It's a Final Four championship night. We got it right here on San Antonio Sports Star. North Carolina, number eight seed coming in against the number one seed, Kansas. This will be the second time a, a one and an eight seed have matched up. The last time it happened was 1985. Morning, Bob. 
that year we got Villanova Georgetown in what in my mind is a top three championship game of all time. And for the longest time, the best NCAA championship game of all time. And it seemed like back then Villanova as an eight seed seemed much more the, the David to Georgetown's Goliath than North Carolina. But when you look at what North Carolina did this season, they are deserving of an eight seed. If they win this thing, they'll be the first team to win a national title that lost at least one game by more than 20 points during the regular season. Kentucky pantsed North Carolina this season, beat them by 23. This will be Kansas' fourth meeting, or since Bill Self took over Kansas against North Carolina. Bill Self owns North Carolina. He's 3-0 and against North Carolina. <laughs> Self has 49 more NCAA tournament wins than Hubert Davis. Fifth largest gap between two coaches entering the NCAA championship all time. North Carolina comes riding the heat. That is Caleb Love in that backcourt with R.J. Davis. Outstanding backcourt play. Armando Baycott dominated the the box. He didn't dominate in scoring, but he dominated the box score. Double-double machine. Kansas comes in firing on all cylinders. Remy Martin is a grad transfer from Arizona State who spent most of the season injured and confused. He rounded into form during the, the championship run, during the tourney run, and my goodness. Ochai Obaji did not touch the net in the first half. Oh, he made shots. The ball just didn't touch anything but the floor after he shot it. I've never seen a purer first half from a shooter. Ochai Obaji was, you know, Big 12 Player of the Year, McDonald's All-American, Naismith, Final, all of that, but was really kind of considered, and still is, you know, a mid-15 draft pick. But, whoa, that shooting certainly looked good. To get here has been a remarkable run for Kansas. They have made a run that's remarkable. North Carolina has defeated Marquette, Baylor, UCLA, and Duke in this tournament and will face Kansas in the national championship. And while Kansas had to fight hard, North Carolina, if they go ahead and take Kansas down, will join the 2002 Maryland team as the only team to defeat five, count them, five former national championship winning teams in a single tournament. Back in 02, Maryland beat Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Yukon, and Wisconsin on their way to the 2002 title. Again, taking down Baylor, UCLA, and Duke. Pretty impressive as well. Hubert Davis is the sixth coach to reach the Final Four in his first season as a head coach and the fourth to reach the national championship game. He's joining Steve Fisher, <laughs> the Fab Five. If he wins, he'll be the first to do that since Steve Fisher. Kansas has been on fire. Bring up that post real quick for those of you joining us on SASportsStar.com stream. Gilbert Padilla says uh, Kansas regresses to the mean at this point. I want a Big 12 team to win the title. They should. The numbers tell us they should. They're that good. I like them. I like Kansas. I like him tonight. I think Bill Self strolls out as we hand the torch, and we'll talk a lot about it over the 
over the evening as Shashevsky leaves, Bill Self firmly ensconced in that hall, uh, in that Mount Rushmore of the greats. Already was, but now he's active and Coach K is not. Mm-hmm. You just wonder how long he'll stay. I wonder who of the final four coaches could end up in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> could end up in San Antonio. I look at this game, and when I see teams both playing extremely well going in, I look for, as a tie break, who's got the best player. And to me, Oche Abaji is the best player on the court when they, when they hit the floor tonight. By every measure. Abaji is the best player. But I'm not sure if he's not the hottest player. I think the, Caleb Love comes in. And Caleb's certainly come in with credentials, but he's been a bit flashy. The shot he made was one of those transcendent shots that will go down in the foreverness of North Carolina basketball. What If I'm Kansas, we know the formula. Move. Both of these teams play NBA basketball. There's going to be a lot of possessions. Uh, I'll wait and see what that final line is, but the over seems certainly appropriate today. But watch Brady Manick tonight with North Carolina. Now, he only had like 14 against Duke, but it was a concerted effort from Duke. They were not going to let Brady Manick beat him. They were going to put it in the hands of the streaky backcourt. The front court was going to be in trouble. They weren't going to let Baycott score, and they weren't going to let Bay, uh, let Brady Manick be that facilitating, jump-shooting, ball-moving guy that they brought in from OU to do. And they were pretty effective there, but they did not, they did not prepare for R.J. Davis and Caleb Love at their guard play. And first of all, a little respect to Caleb Love's shoe game. Did you guys notice the those Pantone blues that Caleb had on? Those are, those are beautiful. In my eyes, you don't get much more beautiful than that. And he played up to it. He played worthy of the shoe. Coach K at the end, it was the end. And he lost. It wasn't. At the end of the day, a guy missed a shot or ball hung on the rim or a miracle shot, anything like that. North Carolina beat him in every facet. And not only did they beat him in every facet on the court, I think Coach K, when he gets away, and if he ever does look at the tape of the last game, and he might not ever, I'm not sure I would, I think he'd realize that, yeah, he made a few coaching mistakes. A couple of things that maybe he shouldn't have done primarily going back to Williams as their big and pulling Paolo Blanchero away from the five and putting him back on four. Now, I thought, even though they went down last night, that Blanchero was still the best player on the court last night. I wonder how that affected draft status, if it did at all. Because I still have him at number one, though I've seen Jamari Smith and Chet, the Gonzaga kid, ranked him, you know, a couple ahead of him in a couple of drafts. But you, there's no more NBA-ready guy than what Blanchero showed last night. Between the NBA readiness and his ability to take over games late in the tournament, I think he's kind of solidified himself now at the top of the draft because he was number one coming in. He fell back a little bit into, well, it could be this group of three or four guys that could be number one. But his play in the tournament, because that was the question, can he take over a game? Because you saw the potential for him to but he never did because it felt like he didn't want to step out of line within everyone else at Duke. 
but he kind of figured out where to take over in certain situations, and I think NBA scouts have started to recognize that. Well, they you certainly look good to me. Just depends on what you're chasing. Uh, the the Kansas backcourt. I like Ryan Braun. Yeah, I think he's going to be the wild card tonight because not only is he he's a really heady defender, not quick, but he understands his role in the defense, and you certainly don't want to have him. He'll have help coming, but he can defend you for three, four seconds. I would put him out on Caleb Love and see what happens. Pay close close attention to Ryan Braun. I think he is a he's going to be the unsung hero tonight, and certainly he had a big shot the other night. Volume work. And Remy Martin. <laughs> the thing about Remy is he he provides that quickness, that burst of speed. He's the the Patty Mills to the Kansas offense. He's that little pepper right at the end of at the end of a clock, he's capable mm-hmm. of going and getting his own shot. You bring him in when you're trying to pick the pace up. He His jump shot has started to fall, and you have to react to him when he comes in. And when the Spurs in those eras with Patty Mills, and don't forget the relationship that the Spurs have with Kansas and Bill Self, that's not that's not a, an accident. That is by design. That type of player, when he fits that, that fits exactly what patty has done from the get-go he just changes the dynamic and it was hard for him to adjust coming being a starter and being if not the guy for arizona state for four years one of the two guys that was relied upon for 40 minutes not 20 and to learn to bring that pepper we didn't see that and injuries kind of fl- kind of hampered remy but tonight you expect him to play a role i think kansas is solid but i'll I like the way Hubert Davis has prepared his basketball team. This wasn't about wins and losses. He he framed this about the experience, about now you get to be part of that long Carolina blue line, that when the offseason comes and all those former North Carolina players come back to the campus to to play and to grow the brotherhood and to teach the next group what it is to be a North Carolina Tar Heel, you too get to bring your story. You get to talk of your final four along that long group. And that that took a lot of the pressure off mm-hmm. because they were still Carolina. I don't care if you're an eight seed. You're still Carolina. You, we're, you're an eight seed by my measure, but if you're wearing powder blue or you have one of those in your, in your drawer, you're saying eight seed nothing. This is a national championship team. And rightfully so. They certainly have had the talent and they have lived up to it. You'll catch the game live, right? You want to watch it live with friends of like mind, head over to the Roo Pub tonight. The the Blitz will be live. Jason and Joe will be out there. Before we head away, we want to reward those that have been listening. Ryan Garcia is going to be here in San Antonio on Saturday. I figure this is going to go three rounds. To go, gots to go in three. So call it number three to 656-3776-656-ESPN. Going to get a pair of Ryan Garcia tights. The fight, the fight is Saturday night in the Dome, a world-class fight. Undefeated young kid. Friend of the show, Ryan Garcia. You want to go get on those lines right now as they load up. Call it number tres to 656-3776. Going to Ryan Garcia. I can't wait to go myself. Hey, coming back, let's look at the NFL. Trades are happening. Skimming might be occurring. Caller number three. We'll be right back. You're on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 1033 FM. This is Joe Reinagle. Jason Minix and I will get you caught up on the latest news, moves, and more this afternoon, 4 to 7, on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 1033 FM.
It's R&R in the morning. Minus an R. Rudy J gone today. I'm Rob Thompson. Taking you to 10 o'clock. James Pleasure driving the boat, making sure we don't get too lost. There's a trade in the NFL. A wide receiver of note landed in New England for basically a bag of beans and some future opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Devontae Adams now a New England Patriot. Cedric Wilson firmly the number two wide receiver there with the Dolphins beside Tyreek Hill and Mike Gisecki. I think he's the and third. Yeah. You think he's the third? Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, the move, I think Waddle's going to be the third slot, receiver for And Tyreek is going to be the slot A. And then <laughs> Cedric is going to be the one big receiver they've got. Uh, obviously, Waddle is probably thought of as a little bit higher on the pecking order. But, I, but I, will, I will say this. You don't move Adams that way, or Parker that way, without feeling pretty comfortable with what Cedric Wilson is bringing. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that. And I do think it's opened the door. Uh, to uh, Gasecki becoming one of that next tight end, the next of the of the crew. I think tight ends are becoming the next hot property in the NFL. That next difference maker. You look at the teams that have been successful; all of them have a tight end of note, not a blocking tight end, a guy that'll go out and catch you fifteen yards. I don't think the Cowboys can say they've got one too, but I, I think that Gasecki is going to be that next because uh, McDaniel. He's not. What's it's not Josh. I, Mike, it's going to take me a bit. Josh is in Oakland, yes, but it's or the, Las Vegas. Yeah, but it's it's M- Mike McDaniel. I, I know the difference, but Mike, I don't remember his first name. I just picture a guy that's probably playing Dungeons and Dragons when he's not looking at. <laughs> that's what this cat looks like. Uh, did you guys see the headline about this German dude who's in his? He's a senior. He's in his seventies. Has had eighties. <laughs> 87 COVID vaccinations. He was going in Germany and getting a different vax card every time he went and then selling them, which, you know, you, but 80. Did he grow a tail? Well, that's what, of all the anti-vaxxers, of everybody who had, why don't we just sit back and watch this dude for a little bit? If there, if, if you could go through 87 I'm surprised he didn't have an eye forming in the middle of his forehead. You said grow a tail. <laughs> Does that eye see into the future? <laughs> well, a couple things here. I, I I would like to, you know, you you see the uh, those old commercials where they would spray on the 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 anti mosquito spray, the off whatever they use, and they'd stick it into a jar full of mosquitoes, and one would have none on, and it'd be covered, and the other guy would have n- you know none on their hand. <laughs> I want to put him in a in a room full of COVID. See what happens. You've been vaxxed eighty seven times. I think he's an X man. I think there's a superpower. He's Moon Knight. By the way, so eighty seven shots. How would you like to go get eighty seven? How much was he selling those for? I think I need to get another one. Isn't it about time? Well, they the. Uh, I, I understand that the FDA has approved a fourth vaccination, a double booster, for those that are 50 and over, that have health issues, and everybody's 65 and over. I think that was what has recently passed. What about your 88th vaccination? The, on the 88th, well, is it like a punch card? Did he get free sandwiches? Did he get a... On your eight, on your 80th, did he get a, a free vaccination for something else of his choice? Like after? $100 Visa gift card. <laughs> After five, you get a flu shot? 
on your 10th, you get a free shingle shot of 87. And is, I guess it's good money. But don't you think if you're the guy giving the shot, you notice the other, the other needle marks? Because you reach an age, and I'm getting there, that you just... Those holes stay? Well, I'm just, you reach an age when you look down on your hand and you got a bruise, you're like, I don't even know where I got that. <laughs> you know, you get those old man arms that have just random bruises for no apparent reason. No. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> Trust me. So there had to have been some marks. I count 86 needle marks here, sir. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's levitating. So if, if you're anti-vax, watch this cat. See how Wolfgang's doing. 87. No way. His name's Wolfgang? No, I have no idea. Oh, man. I was, I was really hoping. I was like, that, that was is an first... X-Man name. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy, he, uh, Peter Parker became a superhero from a, one little spider bite. This dude's had 87 vaccinations. It sounds like a superhero origin story. It does. Or a supervillain, I don't know. All I was trying to do was make a little side money. And now I'm fighting crime. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't even imagine. I don't care how much money I'm getting. My first question to you when you told me about this was, is that guy still alive? <laughs> you know, I read this whole article and there really wasn't a whole lot of discussion as to his general... Help well-being. Other than the fact he's just had the shots? Does it say whether he's even had COVID? Well, <laughs> 87 vaccinations. <laughs> just every time. It's, it's suspected that the man may have scammed his way into even more shots. So investigators are currently underway in the German state of Saxony. Oh, so he's not divulging the true amount of shots he had. They're just nah, guesstimating he, well, now? he kept showing up with a different card at a different place. He started back in July, so we're about six months in. He's gotten 87 vaccinations. What could go wrong? <laughs> I, I'm all for your idea of throwing him in a room with a bunch of people just to see. Yeah, you're going to have to walk through the COVID ward, see what happens, because... If they don't drop dead at sight, you know, like the COVID vaccine, the COVID bugs see you and just fall over dead like a, like you're an X-Man. He's got those shades that he flips up. Shoots COVID beams out of his eye. I, um, uh, 87. You hey, think he coughs on COVID and it automatically well, dies? I mean, it's, it's Chuck Norris stuff, right? <laughs> Let's talk some NFL on the other side. Um, some news, and it'll be in our headlines. With the Washington Commanders, that is unsettling, to say the least, if you're another owner. Because I think you're finding out that one of your brethren is skimming off the top. It's akin to Vegas taking some money off the top, some of the bent nose guys. I think if you're an NFL owner, you can get away with a lot of crap. Hey, well, th this is These are dudes with skeletons in their closet. You do, you do what you need to do, just don't let it hit the, hit the press. But... You start skimming off the top, you're going to get in trouble. A little uh, little handy from a, from a masseuse in Miami. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. Like to drink guy? and drive a little bit. That, that's cool. That's good. 
PR guy takes some photos. You got a you got a couple people in your front office like to take some pictures of some cheerleaders, and you got some unwed mama baby stuff. That's that's good. That's all right. We we all got our own El Wapos. But you start skimming off the top. <laughs> I don't know what Snyder's long term prognosis is with the NFL, but it got a lot shorter once the rest of the owners go. Wait a minute. 40% off the top. That's what you should have been paying, and you were skimming? See, what, what we'll get into is how that occurred and what's going on with Washington. <laughs> but of all the transgressions that you can commit as a business partner, this is the worst. Skimming off the top. Speak, I, speaking of that COVID guy, do you think uh, red flags were kind of sent off as he was asking to get this 87th shot between his toes? Well, that's it. I mean... <laughs> You're given the shot, and you, if you had 87 since July, there are obviously pinpricks. There's obviously signs that you've had a lot, a lot of vaccinations. He's, no, that, that he's one's, 61 years old. We bruise easy. That one's measles. That one's flu. That one's for tetanus. <laughs> He showed up at different vaccination sites with different blank cards, his real name on them. He had his real name on all of them, but he didn't bring his insurance card so they didn't track it because they figured what the, what kind of fool would go for 87? You got to appreciate the diligence that the German people have. Well, you set your mind to it. <laughs> They're all in. We'll be right back. This is Arnon in the Morning. You're on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Oh. Rob Thompson. Rudy J. R and R in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. R and R in the morning, the third R. R. That would be me. I'm Rob. Rudy J out today. He got an early case of the Fiesta flu. We have a third R? Well. No, we only have an R, me. We're doing the pirate version today. I, the R in the R morning. Version. Yeah, Rudy called about, uh, I don't know, 7 o'clock last night. I said I need a day off. As I'm looking at a... Uh, Well-dressed man. As I'm looking at a TikTok of him holding a cigar and doing a little old-school rap. He was he was what we call vibing. Yeah, he was vibing. <laughs> well, let's say to tell you, we're supposed to be vibing. What a fantastic week we've got. We've got the Final Four's... Ultimate game tonight. We have our NCAA championship game. You can check it right here on San Antonio Sports Star as you are sitting live at the Rue Pub watching Jason and Joe. We've got the baseball season beginning. You got your Rangers coming up on Thursday. The Masters week. Tiger may or may not. He's a game time decision. We've got the uh, par three challenge going up on Wednesday. I do believe this is the first I've ever heard game time decision yeah, for golf. used in golf. But only Tiger can do that. Had a great Valero Texas Open finish yesterday. It was There was enough drama there at the end. Kuchar could have made a putt, and if uh, J.J. would have missed, that uh, it might have happened, but it didn't. Spectacular week, and San Antonio showed well. We look good on national TV. It was a pretty tournament. Well played as we prep for the Masters. Let's talk some NFL real quick. Uh, it appears, and I'm just going to read you this headline. 
Report. 24-year Washington commander's employee testified to Congress about alleged financial improprieties. This was a, a congressional inv investigation that began, quite frankly, due to sexual har harassment issues inside the administration, inside the Washington football team. Uh, well, originally the Redskins, then football team, and now as we progress to the commanders, the improprieties going on there. But as is typical of a net that is thrown, sometimes you get more than the fish you were looking for. And it appears that the, the Washington franchise has been skimming off the top of the 40% of the gate that is due to the league or the visiting team. Now, the Redskins used to sell that place out. There's no greater or better fandom in football than Redskin fans. They love their team. I don't know why, but they do. They used to sell them. Seriously, that was a full stadium of hogs and noses and men in dresses and everything that was. And it still carried on over the last five years. Not so many. But to skim off the top, if these allegations are in fact true, if they are proven true, there is no way Snyder survives this. No way. It is over. Over. Done with. That team's up for sale the well, next day. Well, consider where we are right now. The NFL has been a closed society. It, you, there are significant barriers to entry in that you need billions to be capitalized to get in. Billions. This isn't, this isn't just buying an NBA team. This is buying far more. And right now, you've got the Broncos for sale. You've got what Miami... I'm not sure whether Ross survives paying to lose. I think he might, but it's certainly not going to look pretty the more we hear about this. And you have the availability, what appears very quickly, very soon, of a Washington franchise. <laughs> so you could buy in. There's an availability now. If you're chasing an NFL franchise, if you're the likes of... Peyton, Tom Brady. You have a very unique opportunity. It does not come around very often to be able to go and get a franchise. And I believe there's one more that's out there that could be for sale as well. It's slipping my mind. It just It's a very unique situation we have. As far as the front office moves, we saw New England make a move. They bring in Devontae Parker into the uh, fold. They don't move a whole lot. They still don't have a quarterback, though. Even though, yeah, I know. I know what you're going to say. But they don't really have a quarterback. But I guess if it's going to be Wentz or Heineke, I don't know. They're trying to do their best by him. And Scary Terry's on one side, so it's going to help. No question. They do have the 11th pick in the draft. Which, if they're smart, will be an offensive lineman. But they're, who knows? Could be a quarterback. I'm not sure that this year's cast is worthy. After you trade for Wentz, and, you, and Heineke is a guy that will go tooth and nail. I think you're. I think this is kind of a Jalen Hurts situation that will address this later. If you fall in love with one, though, I just don't think teams one. fall in love yeah, with quarterbacks. But this year, there's not a there's no one to fall in love with. There really isn't. I mean, as much as they've tried to hype this thing up, as much as they've tried to tell us about Pickett's ever growing hand size. 
I know. How weird is that? You talk about 87 vaccinations. <laughs> I mean, talk about a hand that's grown that, twice. That even happened. There's hand exercises, strengthening, strengthening, lengthening exercises that I guess could be applied to a lot of things that maybe I've seen some pumps. You stick your hand in and you have to walk around with this. It's Well, I, I know it's supposed to work on other parts of your body. Maybe... You stick your hand, stick your hand in there. It's a Swedish contraption. You have to order it. comes in a brown paper box. Uh, but his hand continues. But as much as they try to, to to hype up the the quarterback class, it's just no one's buying it. You don't like Pickett? Well, if his hand was bigger, would you like him? What if he made it nearly nine inches? Malik Willis. Well, they're trying, There's but I think we all realize, too. That, yeah, there is, and I think Detroit will long, be quick to take him. I think that's a done deal. But, you know, you try to love, fall in love with Corral, Coral, however you want you to say You love it. Matt Corral. I do, but I'm certainly not a first round. That's a third, fourth, fifth rounder at best. I'm not wasting that time, that kind of draft capital on a dude that, man, you could be one of two things, and the best possible scenario is a bridge to the next draft. Because I don't think any of these guys have it. But you look at what New England did. They bring in a wide receiver, and yet again, it's a deal between Miami and New England one, which I know teams. I know teams. Well, there's there's shrinkage involved, Jay Glenn. Do you you think that's what OJ did before? Well, you you buy that thing, you. I've told. I've been told. I've read some headlines that told me it works. I don't know if it really does. We'll have to ask Pickett. Eight out of nine men. Oh, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> and if you Google it, you're going to get all kinds of crazy ads. So be prepared. The you look at what New England did, bringing in a wide receiver, helping a young a young quarterback. It's a move that is so typically New England, so done kind of off the news cycle, done right when other things are happening. That is going to pay huge dividends because think mm-hmm. of what. New England has been chasing. They went and drafted Mikhail Harry as their first overall pick, what, three years ago, two years ago? Three or four years ago. That was supposed to be the guy. Remember, it was going to save Brady, and he was going to be enough to carry through, and he has been an abject failure. I mean, his time is done there. Proof again that you don't have to draft to put together a team. Because Belichick proved yet again that was a that was a flop. What's the best receiver he drafted? A quarterback named Julian Edelman. I don't know of because <laughs> he got Edelman was a quarterback when they drafted him. They flipped him. Well, you know how many little wide receivers have come through? They, they didn't draft, but they didn't draft Walker. Walker. He no. came from Miami, and then they had the kid that San Antonio had for a bit that went to the the other Tech kid. That was there for a little while. No, he doesn't draft well. But how many other general managers, coaches, just cutting ties with your number one overall wide receiver pick from three years ago? And, you know, New England just, ah, draft picks, those are just, that's like tryouts to us. We don't even use them. <laughs> Headlines are important. That's why we do this. Let's get you caught up. It's time for the 411 and the 210. Here's the 411 in the 2-1-0. Headline 2. 
Well, it seems that Thab Mata has found himself a new home, returning to coach and to take the Butler Bulldogs men's job. Mata, who spent last year as an associate athletic director at Indiana, replaces Laval Jordan, who was fired after five seasons as Butler's head man. Mata hasn't coached in college since 2017 when he stepped down as Ohio State's head coach. After two seasons in Columbus, the two sides mutually agreed to part ways that summer. Yeah, it was a mess there in, in at Ohio State. That's a hell of a coach. Yeah. I think that's a great gift for Butler. Yeah, Butler's Butler's Butler. If they get the if Brad Stevens would have stayed at Butler, they'd be Villanova now. And there's still potential there. Thad Mata is a hell of a recruiter. Those that brief stint at Ohio State was successful. He'll bring in talent. We just won't hear much from Butler till tournament time. That's just how it goes. The historic field house, Thad Mata will walk the sidelines. Yeah, good move by both. Moving on. We didn't really talk a whole lot about Shaheem taking that Seton Hall job. I like that. Well, it was obvious. Moving on. Headline one. South Carolina women's basketball goes wire to wire against Gino Ariyama and UConn to win their second national title under Don Staley, beating the Huskies 64 to 49 as Destiny Henderson became the first player since 2000 to set a career high in scoring in the national championship game as she finished with 26 points in the final performance of her collegiate career. You look back at that game, it was all about one two. Offensive rebounds. They just dominated second chance points. Destiny was quicker than anybody on the court. They pants UConn last night. The best thing about the game last night, did anybody catch the uh, that alternate broadcast of Bird and Tarasi? Anybody seen any of this? It had Manning Brother vibe to it. It was outstanding. Uh, ESPN, do, this, do some more of this. Bird and Tarasi, that was a great kind of sideline. But we can't say enough about South Carolina. Dominant. Front to back, beginning to end, South Carolina was the best team in college basketball. No question about it. Moving on. Headline Zero. And despite not getting the nod for opening day, questions arose about Justin Verlander's health, but... The Astros' ace will make his return from Tommy John's surgery on Saturday in Game 2 against the Angels as he has been deemed fully healthy and ready to return to action after a couple of years of inactivity due to Tommy John's surgery. What do you expect from Verlander? Do you think I expect Verlander. Is, do you, you expect Verlander? I do. He Basically, the year of COVID, that shortened season, he pitched the opener, felt a twinge, did not pitch again, was t- trying to return for the postseason, and by the post t- time the postseason showed, he had undergone Tommy John surgery. And so that took away his next season, which was last season. So the guy hasn't pitched in about two years. How so I he? expect him to be fine when he returns. I believe he's 37, 38. Okay. I'm going to predict 60 days on the DL. I mean, that's a fair assumption, but 
I just look at the way Tommy John has worked for mm-hmm. pitchers. They come back stronger. They throw harder after Tommy John now. And if he had pitched last year and was coming back from that, or as as recently as possible, I mean, he if he had hurt himself and went through rehab and was coming right back, I might tend to agree with you. But it's been a couple years. He's 37. 60 days on the DL, it's just depend on when that when that occurs. Is it going to be early or late? I think it's going to be the key there. Baseball, starting Thursday. Catch your Rangers right here. I know that he's not there, but we got the Rangers, and we'll have them on Thursday. Well, the Rangers will play the Astros. We'll have those Many games. times, and uh, we got tickets as well. Move it along. That's the 411 and a 2-1-0. Rangers you, spent a ton of money this offseason. Yeah, you know that they're going to be fun this year. And they made a trade over the weekend with the Yankees again. See, the, we tend to... We, we deal with the Yankees. We, the Rangers, deal with the Yankees. Frequently. It's just one of the, it's funny how relationships are built where they, they built a level of trust where teams start to move it. We have made it nearly two and a half hours and really haven't talked about the Spurs, which tells you the kind of sports weekend that we've had. The Spurs got a, uh, a gentleman's doubleheader. Portland understood the assignment. Portland showed up and laid down two consecutive games. We were so comfortable in that second of the gentleman's back-to-back that DeJounte didn't even play. Zach Collins got his first. Is this the first career double-double? First career NBA double-double. Well, the way that we gave 14, our 14, not Portland's 14, his best game a couple weeks back, the least Portland could do was let Zach Collins have his best game. And they did that. As we said, (laughs) the Spurs now are only a game behind the Pelicans. They're two games up on the Lakers. And they hold the tiebreaker on the Pelicans. And they hold the tiebreaker. What seemed just about impossible a month ago. It's not only possible, it's probable. The Spurs are going to be in the plan. It's a done deal, it feels like, or is it? We'll take a look at the record. We'll, we'll take a look at the schedule for not only the Lakers, but the Pelicans and the Spurs. And talk about the uh, the future of the league. There was an interesting announcement over the weekend regarding a brand new uh, stadium being built in Las Vegas. Now, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, spoke to that. you got to remember what, it, what expansion is. Expansion is the honeypot to the owners. You go to expansion when it's time for some new money to replenish the coffers. I'm not sure the NBA is there yet. I think they're still enjoying the benefits of the new gambling money. But as soon as the owners start looking down the road and thinking we might need some capital, expect the NBA to expand. Las Vegas is destined. I think that was going to happen whether... It was announced they were getting a stadium today or not. They've already got a place that's perfectly acceptable to the stars. They've got a 20,000-seat stadium. That's nice. Well, it's Vegas, so there's more coming. So you got to figure, what, Seattle would be next? Let's look at the Spurs' potential for the play-in and the rest of the NBA. Was the deciding game played yesterday? Do we know who our MVP is? 
look around the NBA next. Hang around with us. We got so much to talk about here on R and R in the morning. This is San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM twelve fifty and one zero three three FM. Rob Thompson, Rudy J, R and R in the morning on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN twelve fifty and one zero three three FM. It's R&R in the morning. We're so glad you're with us. Let's do some housekeeping real quick. If you haven't gone to your smart speaker, you got an Alexa or Siri or a... What's the other one? There's Alexa, Siri, there's a... The Google... Yeah. Echo? Echo, that's what it is. If you haven't set it up so you can listen to us, go set that up. We're we're San Antonio sports star. Just, Just ask it. You got a dot. Got the dots, the echo dots. Just ask it. Uh, our streaming, we want you to go to sasportstar.com. It might be an adjustment for some of you guys, but that's where you need to be. So just uh, continue to do what you do, but go there because some of those things are going away, like that Facebook stuff. Tired of the handcuffs they're putting on us. <laughs> Seriously. We pay the fees. We can play whatever music we want, but Facebook doesn't care. Uh, that's going. That's gone. SASportsStar.com. Put it on your uh, everything and uh, set up your dots. I had my son do it for me. I don't know how exactly it works. but <laughs> Just find you a son to do it. Well, I love walking into a room and barking out a series of orders. That doesn't shock me. You know, you walk into a room and you're like, Alexa, Tin Hut, turn on the lights, turn on SA Sports Star, bring me my notification of what the weather. Chop, chop. Jetsons, man, I love it. You know, it's funny how the the ebb and turn for the NBA season runs. And we always get lost in the marathon. We always do. You just it's it seems when you're sitting in the in the dreads of February and you got eight dudes out with COVID and you lost six straight. It doesn't look like the season's ever going to end, and when it finally does, it'll just uh, you'll stumble and crash to a stop and. Every year we all run into it, but we forget that it is indeed a marathon, and it's not about how many games you win. you got to win enough to get in, but it's how are you playing at the end of the season. How healthy are you when it really matters? Are you going to be ready to make the playoff run? Now, there's the, the preparation for the playoffs, and then there is the witchcraft of the slow burn that coaches have to master to win an NBA championship. Now, injuries, you can't, you can factor in the loss of games. You can expect to lose X number of games every year due to injuries. But you can't plan like you're the Warriors and hope that you have Steph. I mean, those those are going to collapse you. But what you can do, what a wizard of a coach does, is slowly turns up the pressure, slowly turns up the heat, slowly whittles away until... About two to ha- two and a half to three weeks to go in a season, your team is playing as best as it can. And Pop's done it again. And he's had the good fortune of relatively good health. They they're you know, they don't have McDermott to close out the season, but here they sit. Now they're the beneficiary of a very friendly schedule. There's no getting around the fact that especially over the last couple of games, Portland has certainly done. They they offered very little. They were the car in a race with two laps to go that is already going to lose and is just trying to finish, that we're eager to get out of the way. 
Spurs came up and said, on your left, and they pulled right, and the Spurs whizzed up right on by with no problem, which even that seemed difficult to even imagine not that long ago. And they did it without DeJounte. Keldon is now playing like we thought Keldon should have been playing in February, but obviously it was a slow burn. What they did yesterday without DeJounte was noteworthy. And Jakob. You know, yeah, absolutely. And it was those that stepped up in their in their place. Zach Collins, his first career double-double against his former team. The numbers look spectacular. Now, it was just Portland. We watched Denver over the weekend do us some help. Take care of a game Laker team. They came to play. Russell, that was as good a game as Russell's played in a month. But here we sit. I think we can all agree, and I th- I hope there's a modicum of, of enthusiasm to this. It's nice watching the Spurs when games matter. It's been a long time, and I would like to kind of start feeling a little bit of playoff momentum because this is not a championship-caliber team, but damn, I would like to knock off a, a one or a two seed. Man, I would love to be Memphis just one time. Let's embarrass somebody. Let's let's finish the season with a bang. Let's win the NIT. Because it does matter. Just like winning the NIT will matter for Xavier, just like not winning but going through the NIT mattered for AM. That will pay dividends next year. Think about what Baylor did a couple of years ago when they went and won the NIT and what they have been since. You understand winning big games. It matters. And now we're in a situation where it does matter. Jokic won the MVP yesterday. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. It's it's over. And I don't know if it's just because it's a... Uh, he's who I watched most recently. Because every time I watch Giannis, I go, well, it's over. But there's just something... Of, yes, Frank, something about... First of all, Jokic, but something about Trey Jones. Spectacular play yesterday. He just he and Lonnie both have seized every opportunity they've been given. But watching Jokic yesterday do just that little bit more than what Giannis can, and that's the improvement of the guys around you. That as good as he is, as many buckets as he can get, that you're never concerned about if I'm open, will I get the ball? If the offense requires me to take the shot, will I get the shot or will the superstar who can get a shot off whenever he likes, will he go ahead and take it? That's the difference between Jokic and Luka. I think that's the difference between Jokic and Embiid. Now, the separate, I don't think it's the huge difference between Giannis because that's not really what Giannis is programmed to do. What, when you look at what Jokic does to improve the flow of the offense, that last dime, the pivot and the spokes that is the offense that Jokic is a master of, what Giannis offers is not the dime, but the three and the dribble drive. They're equally as important, and they both work out into buckets. But I just like Jokic a little bit more right now. Just a little bit more. In a lesser West, he is the best player in the West. He's not better than Giannis. He's just more valuable. And that's kind of a difficult argument to make. 
It's funny how Embiid has kind of slipped. We watched Cleveland take down the Sixers, and it wasn't like he played poorly. But I think, as we talked about maintaining that steam heat, that momentum that is so important in that first round, especially for the lower seed teams, that Doc's having to play a little bit. New Jersey still feels threatening. But they just can't seem to manufacture a, enough momentum. You look at Miami, they got momentum. You look at Boston, they've got momentum. Got two weeks left. Spurs and Denver. It's going to be fun. It's going to be playoff environs. This matters. It matters in April. It feels like Fiesta. I love this look on your face as you're talking about games mattering. You have like this glow and this smile. It's something, when I turned on the Portland game, uh, it wasn't just to watch the Spurs for Spurs' sake. It was, this matters. It matters what you're doing in the fourth. They did it with their hands tied. They did it minus guys. But they've gone and got it. Now, it has been an easy skate. Let's thank the NBA, but it does get more difficult. It feels all but done. It feels like the Lakers have given up the ghost. It feels like they're going to give it the solid try that a professional should, but given the opportunity, I think they're talking to their travel agents. And I, quite frankly, don't have any idea what to expect from New Orleans. I think they're pretty good. I think CJ is genuinely helped. I, I, I think Brandon Ingram will continue to progress. I think. But I certainly like the play in now. Now is the chess match between San Antonio and Portland. One game separation there. Two games up over the Lakers. And Pop just sitting back laughing. Pop just sitting back and laughing. You guys question all of this? He has squeezed every drop that he can get out of this team. Let's just hope they can maintain it. Because, you know, even though it all matters in the back of our minds, we still think, you know, there could be a a quick four-game losing streak here. They could easily just stumble right out of the blocks, and we could see exactly some of the things we've seen before. They're not that far away from being out of sync. It matters, and it feels so good to matter. Even when we had the opportunity chasing the bubble and, you know, in the chasing the plane mm-hmm. in the bubble, it still felt like, well, this is kind of like spring. It's kind of like AAU ball that, you know, we have to be reminded that the Lakers won that thing. Anthony Davis has to bring up the fact that, oh, yeah, we did win that trade, even though it doesn't feel like it with the Pelicans. That didn't feel that important. Now it does. And you talk about these things mattering. Mr. First Career Double-Double talked about these games mattering late. Yeah, it's sure. good. Yeah, yeah, we, all, we're all, we all smell it. You know, it's right there. And um, that's our number one goal right now is to get into that playing game and make a playoff push. And, you know, for, for everything we've been through this season, um, injuries, COVID, um, ups and downs, trades, all that. And, if you know, if we can get to that, that playing game and make a run, I think it would be pretty special. I think so, too. Zach Collins offering his first career double-double against his former team. We expect Yakum tomorrow, though. And we also got an update from Pop on DeJounte and why he's missing and how close he is to returning. Let's hear it. 
Well, yeah, I, I think he's going to be okay. He just he tried to warm up tonight. I don't know if you guys saw him out there. Was he out there? Were you out there? Uh, he tried to do it. He had just zero energy still, and he hasn't been eating or anything like that. So I thought it'd be best to not, you know, run him down any lower. Just try to get him back uh, his strength. Was it flu more than anything? The old non-COVID-related illness. It sounds like the flu. I didn't need him. It could have been plantar fasciitis for all I care. <laughs> but the thing about we have learned that while there's been a lot of team tankers around, that was never the case with the Spurs. Never the case. It was always about the next win and getting popped to the playoffs. Never the case. I'm going to put a bow on the show. Look forward to a full day. Don't forget, playing now. Uh, the Blitz will be live at the Rue Pub, one of our favorite spots for the national championship game, which, of course, you can catch right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Michael Menace will be in today, Monday. It is a good reaction day for halftime that speaks in this order to sports, pop culture. Oh, is it sports trivia and pop culture? What, what What's the order? i got to make sure we get this right. Sports. sports. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Pop culture. And pop culture. In that order is Michael Aminis. And hypocrisy. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is r in the Morning here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Hey, this is Michael Jimenez. Have lunch with me on Halftime today at noon. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. It's R&R in the morning. Rudy in the hole today. We expect him back tomorrow. I'm Rob. James Pledger drove this boat. Us together, we took it all the way through. We're glad you're with us today. Don't forget halftime just around the corner. He will have tickets to give away. Ryan Garcia will be fighting here at the Alamo Dome this Saturday. If you don't win the tickets, go. This is a big deal. Ryan is a comer, man. We'll be talking about Ryan for the next 10 years. Undefeated now. To go, got to go. I'm calling it in three. Good undercard. We're going to be out live on Thursday. Mikey's going to be down at Jimenez's last live workout. We'll be there. That's cool. Saturday night in the Alamo Dome. Ticketmaster is where you get the tickets. You want to win them. Continue to listen here as Ryan Garcia takes on Emmanuel to go inside the Alamo Dome on Saturday, April the 9th. Uh, the Blitz will be live tonight at the Roo Pub. We have a national championship game. And man, oh man, th- what we got, considering the season that we've had, boy, we were due. Very rarely do you get games that were built up to be what they were supposed to be, and we got it. We got everything we wanted. Back and forth, 16-17 lead changes. Superstars in the making. Caleb Love makes the huge shot. And Duke rides into the sunset. Before we leave, one last opportunity to hear Coach K. As the game was done, you still hear the old coach. As the game was complete, it was still about the night and his kids. What a weight they carried. This was Coach K. As the game was done, not looking forward, just thinking about the loss that he just suffered. It's not about me, right? You know, especially right now. You know, my, you know, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court, and and um, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I've, I've said my entire career, or 
when I knew what the hell I was doing, that uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. And it's a beautiful sight. It's not the sight that I would want. I'd want the other. But it's a side that I really respect and makes me understand just how good this group was. So that's, and I'm, and that's what I'm concerned. I don't want any of these guys to leave and say, I, I should have made that one free throw. I should have made that one. Uh, they, yeah, we win and we lose together. And we've won 32 games and two championships together. And that's what I want them to realize. It's going to be strange next year, but we remember when Dean Smith retired. Remember when John Thompson retired. We remember Bobby Knight when he finally said goodbye, although it wasn't as pretty. But it's going to be strange. That baton passed. It was grabbed by Hubert Davis from Roy Williams. He grabbed it and went. The record will show that he's one of the few that made it his first year. But North Carolina seems like that long Pantone blue line continues. You wonder if John Shire next year can take that baton and continue to carry it. Because the level of success that Duke has carried has been astounding. And for a generation or so, if you were not a fan of either, I think it felt like Duke had command of this. But at the end of the day, Muhammad Ali is North Carolina. Muhammad Ali handed Coach K his first loss as a Duke basketball coach, handed him his last loss at home, and then his ultimate loss as well. And when you look back at what coaches do and what their the meaning they have to their players over the years, it's not about the successes. It's about how you get up from the failures. And it's it couldn't be more perfect that Coach K went through this because it, it doesn't matter. You'll get up and walk away. The legacy is, is secure, but North Carolina fan... Holds hand forever. Holds it forever. They closed it down. That was spectacular. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's going to be a Kansas celebration. Rock, chalk, Jayhawk. Going to carry it through. The Blue Bloods showed. And that's really what we, we saw coming into the tournament. That it was going to be either chaos or chalk. It was both. We get a number one taking on a number eight. We have not seen that since 1985. The last time we saw it was Georgetown Villanova, and think of the game we saw. We had 15 in the Elite Eight. <laughs> I don't believe it'll be the same defensive struggle. I don't think we're going to see Ed Pinckney and Pat Ewan blocking a whole bunch of shots and keeping the game in the 60s. I think it's going to be a pro game. It will be indicative of the modern game, but the superstars are going to come out of that. Ochai Abaji. I think he's going to come out of this holding something more than just a trophy. He might be the, the mop. Or will it be Remy Martin? Ryan Braun. Can Amando Baycott come back from that rolled ankle? And you knew he was coming back. You saw him kind of roll around, and then the, as he went down, you saw the game, Amando Baycott, right at the end of the game, the North Carolina big, who had had 25 rebounds. I, I'd say it in jest, but he had 20, I felt like. Rolled his ankle, stepped on his own teammate's foot, and as is typical, the first reaction was, oh my gosh, I've been shot. <laughs> and then he, you know, as he kind of floundered and they were helping him about halfway through the the help off, started putting a little bit of weight on it. And then he realized, you know what? 
that ankle pain is actually going away. And then he ran off and he realized the locker room at the Superdome is about eight miles away from the court and turned around and ran back. That was enough to stretch himself back out. Of course, he's going to go play tonight. Roy Williams has an interesting situation. I, I wonder what color blue he'll have on today. Oh, I have a feeling it'll be powder. He'll have that Pantone blue. But what a unique situation he finds himself to be the former Kansas and Kentucky or, and uh, UNC coach. Now, Bill Self owns North owns North Carolina. Played him three times, beat him three times. I haven't seen the numbers. I thoroughly, I, I thought it would be the most watched college basketball game at least in the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Certainly felt like it lived up to the billing. There was nobody leaving. It wasn't like the championship game last night that if you got there in the first minute or the 30th minute you saw South Carolina dominating there was never any question there you like Kansas as well I love Kansas what will North Carolina have to do to beat them love's gonna have to have another nearly 30 point game I think Caleb love's gonna have to play that role but I think for them to to beat Kansas they're gonna have to slow them down they're going to have to play the defensive game that they're not as comfortable with as I think that others might have been. Another but, twenty rebound performance but, from. It's going to take Baycott. It's going to take those those guards to win the matchups. And R.J. Davis is going to have to play some defense tonight as Remy Martin comes out there. And we want to thank the VTO folks for having us out last week. What a spectacular tournament! All those involved with the Valero Texas Open, you did San Antonio proud this week. We looked fantastic across the country. I imagine there's going to be some golf vacations booked this morning. From anybody who watched it, what a great show they put on Saturday night. Once again, we showed well. It's a good time to be a San Antonian. Go out and enjoy the River Parade tonight. Be ready for the Spurs tomorrow as they take on Denver. Watch the game with the boys at the Rue Pub tonight. If you can't, listen to it live right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Michael Menace is gathering his gear and getting ready. So come at noon and listen intently as Mike gives us all caught up. And then the blitz there quickly to follow the game tonight in a full week it's going to be spectacular hang with us we expect rudy to be back tomorrow i'm going to go check the tape carbo load and be ready for tomorrow thanks for joining our tomorrow we'll be back